What's up, everybody? Welcome to Words of Wisdom Podcast, where we're wild with wisdom from all walks of life. I'm Jennifer Brienne, and I serve as your podcast host to bring words, voice, language, and freedom to your world. It's Wednesday, so let's wise up and talk about communication and instruction and their many facets in our lives. What's up, everybody? I hope you're having an amazing, awesome, beautiful fantastic day and that as you are listening to this that you will continue to enjoy the rest of your day evening and night I hope that this podcast finds you um, safe and well considering the time that we are in and the things that we all may individually and definitely collectively are experiencing and so um, thank you for tuning in if this is your first time um, tuning in I appreciate you um Thank you. My name is Jennifer Brian. I am your podcast host. I aim to always bring you words, voice, language, and freedom. Um, if you are returning, thank you so much for tuning back in. Share this podcast with a friend. Um, share specific episodes if you know that they will help someone. Um, that is why I do what I do. And so I appreciate you guys for allowing me a voice and platform to share my thoughts with you. Um, last time that I podcast, I did a podcast a little bit off script. I wouldn't normally talk about something um, as directly political, but I also feel as though I should use my voice and I should use um, the audience and the influence that I have um, to enact change as best I can. And every time I get that opportunity, I made a vow to God, I made a vow to myself that I would do that. And so this podcast is also in line with those same thoughts, with that same line of thinking. I've had many, many, many conversations with people that look like me, the people that don't look like me, um, people that uh, belong to the Christian faith, that people that don't belong to the Christian faith, that people are confused and lost and uncertain. And so I really wanted to do this podcast to kind of bring um, an intersection around a lot of the different conversations and just bring some clarity um, to some things that are happening in our world. One of the main questions that I think that is being asked without directly being voiced is, where is God? In the midst of protests and rioting, police brutality, um, murders, uh, vandalists, theft, a pandemic, a virus, uh, economic downfall. I could continue to go on. Okay. People want to know where is God? And I'm not going to lie. I really did struggle to even do this podcast. Um, because it, that's a very complex question if you're not a believer. Okay. And I think that we have to get some clarity around that to help non-believers because I think now than ever is actually the best time to become a believer, to come into the safety and protection and love of God, even though in some ways it's not being displayed the best. And so this is that podcast for that person that sees all of these racists claiming to be Christian and God family country, America this, God that, but aren't representing the true values and principles um, and the substance of what carrying the spirit of God and walking Christ-like actually means as it pertains to people who don't look like you. All right. Um, so more than anything, uh, what I want to cover in this podcast that I, I want to cover this theological question that's been bothering me because I saw a lot of people struggling with it um, under the paradigm of asking, where is God? People also want to know, why should I worship a God that ignores my suffering? 
There's a lot of young, angry uh, African-American people who want to know the answer to this question, and I have an answer for you. Um, In talking about where is God, I want to talk about his physical and emotional presence, and then I also want to debunk the confusion around Christianity and racism. Um, there's this, there's this lie, okay, complete lie that God is for white supremacists and that God is not for blacks. There's this, all of these erroneous thoughts around, um, it's a white man's Bible. There aren't white people. There, there aren't any black people in the Bible. As a matter of fact, there aren't any white people in the Bible. Theologically, you can support this from the origins of where Jesus traveled all the way through his journeys and then leading up to, um, after he was crucified, rose again, and Paul went into the world. It wasn't after it wasn't at, until after this dispersion that the disciples went into all the world. Well, after years after, uh, Europeans even got hold of Christ. So the whole lie about you know um, Christianity uh, originated in America is not true, guys. I don't know what all you're reading. I don't know what all you're consuming, but. Um, there are a lot of lies, okay? So I just want to bring clarity and bring hope and and challenge some of those erroneous thoughts that you may have been fed through your Facebook friend who gets three likes and likes YouTube. <laughs> um, no no shade to them, but we, ha- we have to bring um, awareness and understanding to the body of Christ because if you aren't going to believe in Christ, that's fine and that's your personal preference, but I believe that you should choose not to believe based on factual information and based on the God that he is and not uh, false information, okay? I'd hate for you to miss out on an opportunity of a lifestyle, uh, I'm sorry, of a lifetime because of false information. So let's get started. Um, The first question is, is really theological in its essence to say, why worship a God that ignores your suffering? Okay, so a lot of people want to know, like, where is God because if God was really God, then all of these things wouldn't be happening. That is false, okay? Uh, that is false because uh, when man fell, God made man God over the earth and endued him with the power to have free will and free autonomy in the earth. God is not a master. God is God does not make humans robots and that we have to do exactly what he says. God does not have free will and free reign in the earth. He gave that power to us. So we have the free will and free rule and free reign to do what we want to. Now, when you look at the powers that be, you look at the preferences and the free will, the free reign and the free autonomy that they are exercising is based on um, evil, nasty devilish thoughts against people who don't look like them. But again, God gave man the power over this domain in order um, to rule it and to reign it. The Bible says, let us make man in his image and his likeness, and let's give him rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every creeping thing that crawleth. So there is a, a realm here on earth that we dominate, and we are not doing a good job, okay? Um he does not the 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 statement in and of itself is is wrong because 
he does not ignore our suffering. The Bible says that he is near to the brokenhearted and that he binds up our wounds, that he hears our cry, that he counts the tears. Um, however, God does not have rule, does not have autonomy, and does not have power until we allow and allow him that space and allow him to enact that on our behalf. So then you say, okay, well, then is he really God if he has to wait on us to move? Yes, he's already God. He's been God, and he doesn't need us to move. That's what we must understand. We need God. God doesn't need us. And that is why he is God. God is a big God. He operates outside of time, space, matter, dimension, and your feelings. Okay. So whether you feel like he's God or not, God does not dethrone him, does not take away any of his power, any of his authority, any of who he is and what he has already done from the beginning of time. He's given you the opportunity. He's done the work. He set up a whole system. Don't ask me why he set the system this way. He's God. I don't know, nor do I fight it nor do I question it I accept that this is God's system and that if and that I want everything that comes with God's system I want God's love I want God's protection I want God's grace I want God's guidance and in this moment right now I want God's answer and I want God's peace that passes all understanding it seems like we can understand all these other systems but we we struggle to understand um the God system the kingdom system and the kingdom operation one of the things that I think is the most simple example, and, I, and I've heard it used a lot of times, is the system of a drive-through. You place your order, you, you talk through the mic to communicate what you want. There's a transaction um, that happens at either the first or second window um, monetarily in order to uh, receive the goods or whatever you're requesting, and then you request, you, you receive what you request, Okay. And that that establishment has a system in place. And if you want what they have, you abide and comply with that system's order. It's the same way in the kingdom. So I don't go to Chick-fil-A or to McDonald's or to Burger King and ask them, well, why do y'all have cars driving through the drive-thru? Why can't, why can't I just walk through? Or why can't y'all come to me? Why do I have to come to y'all? I don't go there trying to change their system. I just fall in line with the system they have to receive what it is that they have for me. And that's what... Um, God has promised us in his word. He has not promised us that we will not suffer. He will, He has not promised us that we will not see hard days, that we won't cry. He has not promised us that life will be a bed of roses, walking through meadows, sunshiny, with our Chick-fil-A and Starbucks and our selfies and everything's peachy. He did not promise us any of that. God is a very realistic God. He understands that we live in a fallen and a broken world. So things are not perfect, okay? But he did promise us that he he gives us hope and a future and an expected end. He did promise us liberty for the captives, the oil of joy for mourning, beauty for our ashes. He promised us so many amazing things that make this life so much greater to live with him than without him. So it kind of begs the question then, um, tell me more about the presence of God. If God's so great and, you know, within the kingdom, I can access all of these different things. And it's not even about the things. It's also about God's heart. But like, how can I walk this walk and how can I live this life? And, and you're telling me all this, but I don't feel like God is, is, is near. I'm just, I'm just kind of rattling some of the thoughts that I've come across and that people have shared with me. And one of the things that I always kind of rebuttal back to them is there are two ways that you can always know that God is with you. 
God promises several times in his word that he will never leave us or forsake us. And I learned a while ago that that language is so important because I I grew up in a church that taught those words to be very synonymous, like leave or forsake. You know, you can kind of use them interchangeably, but as a matter of fact, they actually have separate and distinct meanings when you translate them and when you understand what they actually mean to leave. God says he will never leave us. That is a physical uh, departure, meaning that he, he is not going to physically abandon us. God is not somewhere else, you know, looking down on us. He's not, you know, playing the fiddle in heaven with his angels, unbothered, untouched, and unmoved. The Bible says that we have a high priest who is touched at all points of our affliction. So no, he's not, he's not, absent. He's not ignoring the suffering that's going on in the world. He is not um, ignoring the cries of your prayer. He's not ignoring the many thoughts that run through your head. God knows what you think before you think it. He knows uh, the number of hairs on your head and he knows how this thing is going to play out. He knows the end before the beginning. So if anybody could offer any word of wisdom, direction, or answer of peace, guidance, instruction, it would be him in, in the form of Holy Spirit. So trust that. And you have to know that whether you're a believer or not. If you're not a believer, then just take this as information because you have to understand that he also promised he would never forsake us. And that forsaking, I think, in this hour is stronger than even the leaving because leaving in context of the scripture is physically. And we have to be uh, fully aware that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere one and the same. So his eyes look, you know, high and low. Um his eyes behold the good and the evil. I think we forget that, that God sees the evil as well. God didn't, God didn't ignore the fact, but he also has put kingdom principles and systems in place that don't allow his hand of judgment to, to move and strike every evil person down. That's not how God works. You have a fairy tale mentality of the God that we serve. He made a promise in his word that, that by his son's blood, that he would see us through his son's blood. That's the blood of redemption, the blood of forgiveness, the, the blood of grace, the blood of mercy. And we have to be mindful as we move through life that even when people do things that we don't like, that we feel are unforgivable, that, that that Christ died for that too. And that's the unfortunate and hard thing to remember about Christianity sometimes. It's like the grace can't run out when it runs out on your stuff. Because God has enough grace, enough mercy, enough forgiveness, enough justice for you. But make sure that you feel that same way when it comes to someone who wrongs you, who who did the unthinkable, the unforgivable, the unimaginable to you, to your loved one, to a member of your um, identifiable community. All right. So when we're thinking about forsaking, the forsaking in the text means to emotionally abandon. God promises us to never, ever, ever emotionally abandon us. God is a good father. His word says he's near to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. It's it's like these that we need to remember that when we pass through deep waters, he's with us. Does it not feel like we're drowning in the world? Okay. It's in times like these, we need to remember that when we go through rivers of difficulty, we will not drown. Yes, it is difficult right now. It's difficult financially for the single mother who has a house full of kids who's stuck inside for summer because of COVID and, you know, she can't get the help that she needs. Yes, it's difficult for the black and African-American community to fight for rights while trying not to contract a deadly disease and being slaughtered in the streets with in the streets with tear gas and and bullets. Um, 
with a leader who has no regard for their life. Yes, it is difficult to sit back and try to continue your own normal functioning life as a black woman, as a black man, as a black child, as you're trying to navigate through these deep waters. It's difficult for white people who feel like they need to do something, but they don't want to be an imposter. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They're not sure what to do, but they are just as moved with compassion and nobody has any instruction, no guidance and know what to do because we lack leadership in this country right now. So does not not sound like rivers of difficulty. Yes, but the word promises that we will not drown. It says when we walk through the fire of oppression, we will not burn up. What I'm quoting to you is Isaiah 43 and 2, the uh, New Living Translation. Okay, fires of oppression. We have we are walking through the consequences, the remnants, the the backlash of generations of oppression, of slavery, of dehumanizing a whole race of people. And we still have reminders that are present, that are live, that are thriving in our communities um, on a local level, all the way to a national and state and federal level. Like every single place we look, we're reminded that we are black. And so when all this gets done trending, guess what? We are still black. But the Bible says when we walk through the fire of oppression, we will not burn up. And we have to remember this, that God is here. God is in the midst. There are so many places in God's word where he reassures us that his physical presence, along with his, his emotional support, his aid, um, his guidance, his comfort, his direction, his love are with us also. God does not leave us alone. He is a proximate God. And the more that you receive that and the more that you believe that, I believe the more aware of his presence that you will be. There is pre- there are so many promises that come with his presence. And so that's why I believe that the enemy fights us so hard when it comes to talking about God's presence. Moving along to the physical representation of God's presence, because God has disciples. The Bible tells us to go all into the to the nations and make disciples. Okay, and some of God's disciples right now are looking more like God's gangsters. Okay, they're not really looking like God's disciples. They're using God's name in vain because they are saying with their mouths that they profess this Lord, but in their hearts they're far from them. And yes, that is scripture because you cannot be racist and be Christian if there is anybody on your timeline, anybody in your family, anybody in your messages, anybody in your private messages, in your DMs, in your email, on your committee, at at your workplace, on the board, one of the directors, you cannot profess the name of Christ and be racist fully. It can't be your confession. You might be struggling with it and it may be something that you are overcoming that you're adamantly trying to work through. But Paul said himself, will I continue because of the blood to continue on sinning? Surely not. For grace was not for that purpose. So you can't be rightfully, fully, cosmically, comfortably racist and profess the name of Christ. The Bible says that there is neither Greek nor nor Jew, which those were two separate types of people. The Jews were of, of the faith and Gentiles were considered everybody else. They were lower than. So you got a lot of other groups of people within that reference of people. All right. There's no Greek. There's no Jew. There's no male. There's no female. We are all one in Christ. And you cannot be one and thinking that you are a better one or that there is another one or, or you are a higher one and there is a lesser one. Or if you even acknowledge them as part of the one, you cannot 
marginalize and ignore a group of people and say that you profess the name of Christ. Jesus died for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the, the sinner. He died for the person that was the underdog, the forgotten, the lost. Okay. So you cannot name the name of Christ and be Christian. I mean, yes. And be Christian. I mean, sorry, and be a racist, okay? So let's get an understanding. Christianity is not bad. We have a lot of misrepresentation and misunderstanding around Christianity. Um, Christianity is not bad. Racism is bad. As a matter of fact, the battle that we're fighting or that is being fought against racism is not a matter of skin color. It is a spiritual battle. As believers, as Christians, remember I said as believers, that's key. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the principalities, against forces of darkness and evil in evil realms and in heavenly places. So this is a spiritual battle. It's not even a tangible one. Does that mean that we stop tangible efforts? Absolutely not, because different Christians are called to different capacities. Paul had a very different ministry than David did. Solomon had a very different ministry than Anna did. Anna had a very different ministry than Matthew did. Does that mean that they're not supposed to do what they're called to do? Absolutely not. But what that does mean is that we are still all one unified in Christ. And therefore, because of that, we have to understand that as we are called of God, that we have to remain true to what God's order of doing things are. Remember, I said at the beginning of this conversation that we are um, operating in the kingdom, not the way that we want to, but the way that God wants us to. And he said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm not going to try to beat racism out of you. I'm not going to try to argue, Facebook argue racism out of you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, stay away from foolish and stupid arguing. Quarreling leads to nothing. All of y'all going back and forth in the comments, back and forth in people's DMs. What does it lead to? What does it change? Absolutely nothing. People have to change their hearts. You're not going to change their mind. And as unfortunate as that is, we have to still do everything that we need to do as a community of people, um, as outsiders to the community, as allies to the community to support and aid um, the movement and the transitional shift that's happening in the spirit in our favor. We have to understand that this generation is a lot different. And I believe that, that we are who we are for such a time as this. That's a blessing. That's not a bad thing. Okay. We can't put Gen Z, well, some of the millennials and Gen Z down and then expect things to change. Like, no, we have to aid them and support them and encourage them in all things. So let's debunk this confusion around Christianity and racism. Racism is a problem. Every every religious group of people has some radicals, okay? And I believe American, Western American specifically, the Christian radicals are racist. That's what I believe. So true to faith Christians right now are praying and fasting. True to Christian faith prison, true to faith Christians, what they're doing right now is they are warring in the realm of the spirit and standing in solidarity to the change and the transition uh, for justice. The Bible says that we are to speak up for those who are oppressed. The Bible says that we are to seek justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Our Bible says that we serve a God of justice, of righteousness and truth. And we have to do what we are supposed to do as believers carrying the cross to enact that change in the earth. So to my 
paradigm question, where is God? God is where you are if you have accepted him in your heart. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe in him, you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus in the earth, predestined ahead of time to do good works on his behalf. You are his workmanship and it is important. It is important. It is important to trust and to know there's nowhere in the world that God would rather be than partnering with you right now to to enact his kingdom agenda because you have to believe and you have to trust that it is not God's agenda for people to be oppressed, living in fear, living less than, um, and identifying as minorities, worthless, and not even human because somebody told them that lie. You have to believe that you don't serve or you would not potentially serve a thoughtless, careless, um, unattached non-emotional God. That's not the God of the Christian faith. That is not the God that I serve. That is not the God that I speak of. That is not the God that I post about. The God that I serve is loving. He is kind. He's compassionate. He's patient. He's gracious. Gracious. He's merciful. He's forgiving. He's not judgmental. He is a champion of the underdog. He thinks about those who are often forgotten, who are often overlooked, who are often uh, misused, abused, and and marginalized and taken advantage of. So, you, so your perspective of God has to change for you to even consider if you will receive or not receive him. Because it's not fair to him, it is not fair to you to miss out on one of the greatest opportunities of your life because of misinformation. The Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies. So that is one of his main tactics to get you to buy in to something that's not true about God so that you miss him in an everyday moment and in an everyday way. So I hope that you understand a little bit more about where God is. And I think what we touched on a little bit in this podcast is not only where God is, but also how God operates. Because I think we, as the as a church at large, have a misunderstanding about how God operates and how we're to co-labor. The Bible calls us co-laborers with Christ, that we are to work with him to see his agenda come to pass in the earth. And that's why we lean on and trust in and rely on Holy Spirit and we rely rely on God um, to the fullest extent. So I hope that you all enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you guys will um, ask me questions, send me voice messages, uh, emails, DMs, whatever the case, so that we can talk more about this. Because in this day, in this time, in this hour, you need to know where God is and you need to know that he has not left you and that he has not forsaken you and that he is very proximate right to you, um, to the issues that are happening in the world at large and to your very struggles and issues specifically and individually that even the ones you haven't voiced he's aware of and he knows about them so i hope that this blessed you please share this with someone if you notice they are struggling with this very thing my goal in putting this out is not only to share light shed light but also start conversations so if you disagree with anything i have to say sure i'm i'm mature enough to have that conversation with you as long as you remain respectful obviously so Until next time, guys, I love you all. Peace, love, and hair grease.